On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years. As the Orange hold off the defending national champions, they beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Getting over that hump together, baby. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Happy Wednesday. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. So glad to have you here. Isn't that right, Wendy? All right, here is a, uh, a few truths about the Syracuse University basketball team as exhibited last night in a 68-61 loss to Virginia. This team needs Torian Thompson, and they're not going to get him back anytime soon. There's no use dwelling in the past, and there's no use really what-ifing it to death because he transferred, he left, he's gone, he had his reasons, wanted to be closer to home, and, and all that. But I keep watching a team that, despite their flaws, their turnovers last night, their lack of scoring, and the issues that have held them back, they're still competitive. They're still competitive with the number 3 team in the country. They're still competitive with Notre Dame. They still are in a game against Wake Forest, and two of those three are on the road, and we know how important road wins in the ACC are. This is not a Syracuse team that is showing up and does not belong on the floor with these teams. Despite their flaws and their rotation, which is at you know fluctuating between five and a half and six and a half right now, depending on how well Merrick Doljai plays, they are a competitive team. But they're coming up short and they're missing something. Well, what they're missing, and I know I am stating the blatantly obvious here, is Torian Thompson or a player of Torian Thompson's ilk. Because what does Torian Thompson do? Well, he gives you a low post presence on offense, which Syracuse sometimes has. Matthew Moyer, sometimes Pascal Chukwu, certainly last night, because he killed it on the offensive board. 16 rebounds, 10 on the offensive glass. He was terrific, but you don't get that consistently. It's here and there. It's, you know, one game he's doing that. The other game he's got four fouls before you blink an eye, and you got to deal with that. Torrey Thompson allows you to have ball movement, to have inside play, to allow O'Shea Brissett, Frank Coward, Tyus Battle to have a little more room to operate and not have to mine everything you have to and need to from those three on the offensive end. It takes pressure off who's coming off the bench. And Merrick Doljai, a name I just brought up a moment ago, has continued to struggle in ACC play, which is not all that unexpected. It's obvious to state. It's not worth dwelling on, but it is an issue to me. And I mean, you want to throw Geno Thorpe in the mix. I don't know how much of a big impact he would have, but... Syracuse is a team that usually only plays seven or eight guys by choice. Syracuse is a team that only plays five and a half or six at this point because they have no choice. Because that's their roster. That's what they are. And despite all this, 
they are within three points of the number three team in the country on the road at halftime, and they're just right there, but they're not stepping over the line to win these games. So they are missing Torian Thompson. When he transferred in August, it may have sunk their battleship. And I stress the word may because there's a lot of basketball to be played, and we'll see how they get around that road. I think that, and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I mean, if you're asking me what this team needed to do last night in order to feel like they did everything they could to beat Virginia, I think you did need to go to the press a little earlier. And I don't say that lightly. I am not one of these people that in whatever form it is, if it is here on the radio, if it is on social media, if it is on a a message board somewhere or Syracuse.com live chat with me during every game. Come on by chat. Shameless plug. Whatever form it is. I don't say that lightly because this is not a deep team and they're not good at the press generally, but they've been good in the press against Virginia. It's worked against Virginia, not only in 2017, not only in 2016 on the highest stage possible in the elite eight, it worked last night. Three turnovers in 55 seconds. Now, there was another player where Virginia went right up the court and tore it apart, but that's the risk you take with the press. It's flawed. It has its holes. It's a risk-reward type of thing. But let me play the clip. Here's what Jim Beheim said about it last night. No, I, I mean, we can press for little bits. You know, we're playing six guys. It's hard to press a lot. And generally, they're good against pressure the first time they get a dunk. Uh, but, you know, at the end, you're going to try to press. If we press the whole game, they'd beat us by 32 points. But it press, pressure can work in short situations with our team. Um, we practice it a lot. We use it when we need to. But we, try, we, wanted to, we thought we could keep the game a little more in touch tonight and uh, use it in the last five or six minutes. But we, we weren't in touch. That's... That was the problem, but they're good against pressure. They, you know, everybody, anybody, uh, can make a mistake, you know, against pressure. That's and Jim is absolutely right there. But my thing is, in this game, in this situation, I would rather that be an "I told you so" as opposed to a hypothetical. That is a hypothetical. It is not an "I told you so." We did it. It failed. I would much rather be here today, if I'm in your shoes as a fan of this team knowing that they tried it and it didn't work, as opposed to, well, here's why it can't work. No, I would rather it be, here's why it didn't work, because we tried it. Because it called for it. And you can pick a number of spots there. Go through the box score, look at Syracuse getting just close enough, but you heard Jim just say it there, they weren't on. They were not going toe-to-toe. And Virginia's the type of team, you've got to shake them out of their comfort zone. They're controlling the game. They're limiting possession. This is a much higher scoring game than I thought it would be, frankly. Drop 61 on Virginia. First team in ACC play over 60 points, you know, uh, for whatever that's worth. So I was disappointed in that. And then it's the usual issues with this team. Offensively, as challenged as they are, they are still competitive in these games. They don't go uh, deeper than five and a half, six players at this point, and you've got to just deal with the flaws. You've got to take the 0 for 7 nights from three-point range from Tyus Battle to counter the great scoring nights that he has. You've got to take Frank Howard hitting four three-pointers but turning the ball over seven times, and probably four of those turnovers, as Jim Beheim notes here, were in the 
unforced category. You know, he started out the game with two completely unforced turno- turnovers. You're a junior. You're playing 40 minutes a game. You're in college. If you're a freshman, you can't do that. If you're a sophomore, you can't do that. So if you're a junior, you can't make plays. Frank's playing really well. He's leading the league in turnovers. He's got to find a way. Some turnovers you're going to have. You drive in, try to make a play. That We can't have three. He had three completely unforced turnovers tonight. Actually, I think it was four that were completely unforced. It was four, and you got to live with that. And when people say Frank Howard's not a point guard, I mean, you're quite literally right in that sense. He's not, but given what he's been handed, the type of team he has, I think he's doing a pretty good job considering, but he will make the key turnovers. He's the guy on the spot. I think Frank gets picked on a little too much, and I get just as frustrated as some others do when he makes some of those turnovers, but he's the guy. He's Johnny on the spot, man. There's nobody can come off that bench and spell him. Jim CBW on Twitter uh, threw the, the obvious comment at me here. Torian Thompson gave nothing on defense and even less on rebounding, was really hoping this dismal season wasn't blamed on that transfer. Well, it's what I was just saying with Tyus Battle, Jim. You've got to live with his flaws because what does this team need? It needs offense. What was Torian Thompson really good at and really could have developed in his second year here at? Offense. And I think you've got to be reasonable to say that this coaching staff could have made him better on defense. Now, if he just doesn't want to play and he's not committed to it, look at this team. This is a team that has bought in and committed on the defensive end. If he would have affected that, then, you know, you make a a fair point to say you can't have that poison in there. But I'm here to tell you, a lot of the L's that they have on offense wouldn't – let's make no mistake about this. I'm not saying Torian Thompson is the magic elixir that fixes everything. But what I'm telling you is you win more basketball games than you have already with him because you need offense. Now, again, it was his decision. It was his call. He left. Like it, There's just no use dwelling on it. It's like you know dwelling on a girlfriend that left you two years ago. You just got to move on at some point, right? But I keep watching games, and I keep saying they're just short. They're not getting their doors blown off here. They're just short, and that is it. One thing they can fix, and one thing that is, I it, you, I will not accept an excuse for this. I, I just won't. That's not our style of play. We're not conducive. You have to have more than three assists in a basketball game. I, I'm not going to bend on that one. I am not going to bend on that's not the type of team we are. You can't come down and just play ISO basketball, and that's your offense. You cannot do that. That, to me at this point, is unacceptable. That is something that just, you know, it's like the, it's like those movies when, you know, they bring in the negotiator and they're trying to find some common ground. This is a non-negotiable point for me. And I want a helicopter at the dock and three million in unmarked bills. And No, listen, you got to have more than three assists. You've got to move the basketball better than they do. Now, to be fair, move it to who, Right. You don't have a lot of options there. It's basically O'Shea, Tyus Battle, Frank Coward, once in a while Moyer, once in a while Pascal if he's open, playing catch. And that's all you got. Merrick Doljai can be a good passer when he's in and is on his game, but that has not been the case lately. So, again, despite the flaws that I'm bringing up here, 
they're in a competitive game with the number three team in the country last night because of what they do well. So what's missing, and can they find that going forward here, or is this going to be the story of this team? Close but no cigar. Good enough to be good enough, but not good enough to win. Now you got Florida State on Saturday. That's another opportunity to grab what would be a standout quality win in the eyes of the committee and in the eyes of people that you know are, are important in this discussion. And then you've got a stretch where you go Pitt, BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and it's getting to the point where you almost have to go four and zero in order to stay in the conversation. But it is January tenth. Nothing is written in ink. This is all written in pencil at this point. But at this point in time. And this, let me stress, is a moving conversation. It is not, we're dropping anchor here. At this point in time, they are not an NCAA tournament team. They do not have the look. They do not have the depth. They do not have the offensive prowess to me to say, you're going to win enough games to get there. If anything, it could be very similar to last year. Now, last year was completely different in the road record and and quality wins, non-conference, and, you know, not in that sense, just in the team that comes up just short. That's right now. That can change. You've got to leave a window open here for improvement. I've seen Jim Beheim pull rabbits out of his hat before. I just don't know if he can do it this time with this team, given what he's working with. You just, you kind of know what this team is at this point. But you've got to be fair and say, they're still competitive in these games. They're not getting their doors blown off here. If they're not, we're not walking away from these games saying you didn't belong in that game. Let me get a phone call or two in here and then we'll take a break and uh, talk about this some more with our good friend Brian Higgins coming up. First, Tim and Eastwood on the block. Hey, Timmy. Hey, Brent. Um, I agree with you on the, uh, you know, they're going to be in some games. Um, I, you know, they should. I, you know, I don't know, press a little bit more. Maybe that means Howard Washington plays more, which I think he should. Um, but I will, you know, Torian Thompson is, is an important miss. But a kid that they end up missing who just is transferring from Duke right now is Jordan Tucker. They get If they have him, there's the wing shooter score that they need. That's the kid, really kid, that they. I think they need. Well, and, and that's that's on him. That's not on them. I mean, obviously they wanted him, and he chose to go to Duke, and he's transferring now. And you know, it, it's it's that. I saw Mustafa Jang is ended up at Western Kentucky today. That went through. It's just like, and again, they recruited these guys. They wanted them. In some cases, they were on the way here and just didn't make it. But it's just interesting how you go through these cycles in recruiting and of course the NCAA sanctions affected you there and you end up at a point you're like, well, this is where you're kind of paying the piper for it. And the, the counter to all of this is it's not affecting your recruiting because you've got a great recruiting class coming in next year and the opportunity to hit that proverbial reset button. Let's get the Joe in Liverpool in here before we take a break. What's up, Joe? Ax, it's been quite a while. I've called you today with anger in my style. Basketball is a team game. By definition, all are involved to function as the same. Players assume a value that a coach uses as a tool. And a primary one, it's called passing. I don't feel that's a fool. Your basics like chest or bounce or even overhead. With this orange coach team, after two, all three lay dead. The pick and roll. 
That won't work with this seven foot two, for his hands are more rubber than they'll ever be glue. While one of just three dribbles around, four others stand, feet solid in ground. The dribble drive pass, 80% of ours end in a charge or a turnover. A layup by a big, you're better off finding a four-leaf clover. I don't care how amazing the 2-3 plays. Without this fundamental, it's a Hindenburg blaze. For years, I've sided with Dro in the NJB we trust. But my faith with each knife thrust is a wanderlust. So I ask you, JB, when will you adjust? You know it's a must, or this whole experiment, a bust. Nine and nine in the ACC is kind of hard for me to see starting in the hole already by three. I will watch, I will cheer, I will hope, but I fear three letters this postseason to me is quite clear. And there's the click. See, you listen to this radio program, you get poetry from our man Joe in Liverpool. It's a beautiful thing. And we will break on that note. And we will talk to Brian Higgins next. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Sure is, voice man. Hey, uh, just a reminder, kids. Are you hip to the, the to the podcasts, to the iTunes? Well, you can hit that subscribe button in iTunes or Google Play. And guess what? We will send you podcasts of this program in the booth of Matt Park, the Daniel Baldwin Show, Orange Nation, Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and... Uh, is it is it Stony Goldberg or is there another Steve on that show? I don't know. I have to remember the other guy on that Orange Nation show. But you can get it on a podcast. All the big interviews that we do sent right to your phone or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just hit that subscribe button and off you go. Hit me with that fancy open right now because we're going to do some hot takes presented by our friends at Agway Energy Services. If you go to agwayenergy.com. You can earn a $100 gift card. You got to check that out. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. This is a rare occasion, but credit where due. Okay? It's 442, and Georgetown still sucks, and they actually have a good idea. So I saw this today. I wrote about it a bit on Syracuse.com as well. This is actually really, really cool. I love this idea. So what's going to happen when Georgetown plays St. John's? Again, they played them last night at the Garden, and they circle back and play St. John's at home on January 20th. Georgetown is going to have what is called... Actual reality night. So this is how it's going to work. They're going to block off a section, and cell phones are outlawed. Name tags will be distributed to encourage face-to-face conversations. Fans in the section will receive a printed sheet of halftime stats. There's a photo station, and since you can't take selfies because your cell phone will not be allowed in this section, they will provide a Polaroid camera. 
so actual photos will be immediately provided. There's going to be a letter and postcard writing station as well. I mean, what else can we put back? Can we put an old school Nintendo in there? Can we have a television with bunny ears? Can we have a VCR to watch movies? Can we have an old rotary telephone in case you do need to make a phone call? I mean, this is a terrific idea. And look, nostalgia is big, and you always kind of go back. If it's 20 years, if it's 15 years, and how things circle back, it's why you know, a, a lot of shows are, are popular, but Stranger Things, I'm a huge fan of Stranger Things, and it kind of taps into that 80s nostalgia, and period pieces are big, you know, The Post is a big movie right now, and nostalgia never goes out of style, it just kind of, you have to find the right thing to to tap into that, right? Well, millennials, you darn millennials these days, that have everything on your phone, you know, at one point in time, you needed a separate device to make a phone call, get on the internet, watch movies on an actual television screen with a VCR. I know I'm totally old man on the porch in it right now, and I walk to school uphill both ways in 20 feet of snow. But if you just, and I'm sure there's something like this, you know, on the internet, but take a iPhone and take everything that this iPhone can do and then lay out all the devices that you needed to do what this iPhone does, I mean, think about it, a telephone, a camera, watching movies, be it on television screens and movie theaters, whatever the case may be, and it, your life is condensed into this little object. The world we live in today and the things that, frankly, we take for granted is incredible. It really is. I love that Georgetown's going old school here. I think this is a terrific idea. It's kind of sad in a way. Name tags to encourage face-to-face -face conversations, not face-in-your-phone conversations, right? And look, we're all this way now. I Pot calling the kettle black, you know, I've said this before, and I, I fall victim to this myself. It's not like I'm any better than anybody that does this, but it is fascinating to me. Like, go to any place where you've got to wait in line for just a, a little bit of time, okay? Go to a Starbucks, on a busy Saturday morning and you've got to wait in line with four or five people ahead of you and just watch how long it takes before someone whips out their phone. Now, some people whip out their phones at places like that because you're paying with your phone. See, kids back in the day used to at, carry this uh, these little strips of paper called cash and you would hand this cash to a person called the cashier, and the cashier would then give you your change from said cash. Now you just whip out your phone and you and you scan it, right? And the cashier just stands there like, what exactly am I doing here? So history lesson aside, just anywhere, and that's just one example, just you got to wait. Watch how long it takes people, and I'm not just picking on millennials here till they get twitchy and they got to, they got to check their phone for something. It can get really bad. And I, I'm part of it. And, you know, a lot of it is people, the, your entire life's on that phone, meetings and reminders and, you know, people get texts for work. And it's like that. You're That's how you work. That's how people live these days. But it's, I don't know if it's better, the technology's better and our lives are more efficient in some ways, but but they're not in others. It's, it's incredible. And look, you can listen to this show. That's hot. On your podcast, on your phone, or somebody right now is listening to this radio program on their phone or on their Alexa or online. These are all great advances in technology. But the fact that Georgetown's like 
Come sit in a section and talk to people and watch basketball. And if you need to take a picture, here is a Polaroid. It might take two minutes to develop, and you got to shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. Can I have my phone while I wait for my Polaroid picture to develop, please? Ladies and gentlemen, Blake Bortles. Criticism question. How many more games you got to win? How much more do you have to do to silence the haters? Yeah, it'll probably never stop. And there's people that think LeBron James sucks. So if that happens, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that always think I suck. Oh, hey, ho, timeout. Blake Bortles is invoking LeBron James. Look, nobody thinks LeBron James sucks, Blake Bortles. People just don't like LeBron James. Those are haters, right? But there is not a human being on this planet that thinks he's not a good basketball player. And if you do, you are an insane person and you need to be locked away forever. That's just dumb. Okay, Blake Bortles actually does suck. He's not a good quarterback. He's not a good thrower of the football. And yet he managed to beat the Buffalo Bills in a playoff game last week. So I'm not going to go too far down this road, but you're not a good quarterback. They're going to replace you in the offseason, and you're going to fade into oblivion, which is incredible considering, look, he's still around. He won a playoff game. He's a survivor. Blake Bortles is a cockroach. He finds a way. To just be around because he's got a great running game, great defense. It's they are winning in spite of him, not because of him. It's incredible. But you know, you're you're going you're not going from zero to sixty there, pal. You're going from zero to one sixty when you're bringing in LeBron James. That's hot. To a conversation about you. I mean, talk about going from one end of the planet to the other. Oh, slow your roll there, buddy. You know, it's been a while since we did this. Let's get the clock ready to go. How long can I take a take from Stephen A. Smith? I think this is the first time we've done this in 2018. So uh, if you're not familiar with everybody's favorite game during hot takes, it's as simple as it sounds. We play a take from Stephen A. Smith, and I see how long I can take that take from Stephen A. Smith. In today's edition of How Long Can I Take a Take from Stephen A. Smith, here's Stephen A. on what will make John Gruden successful with the Oakland Raiders. I'm actually fascinated to hear this. Okay, let's see if Brent... Can push the right button here. All right, start the clock. Go. A Super Bowl championship within the next three years, three to four years. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at. That's how, that's how I feel. Get it. Um, um, ladies and gentlemen, mm. the man just signed for $100 million guaranteed. According to my sources, there are incentives within that contract that pumps it up to $120 million. That's more than any coach is getting paid in the NFL. It's more than any player is getting paid in the NFL. And it's 10 years after, you know, after a 10-year absence that you've coached. Mm -hmm. And the last six years prior to you coaching, you were 45 and 51 with only two playoff appearances, and you lost both games. I'm sorry. I have expectations. Okay. That's pretty good. I made it to 40 seconds, first of all. That is not a record, but it is it is on the high percentage of the time that I can take a take from Stephen A. Smith. And that was a good take from Stephen A. Smith. It's a take I agree with. I like the move, but once the numbers came out, I didn't know that about the incentives. Because Stephen A.'s got sources. If that's true, and they're going to pay him $120 million, a Super Bowl win? Sorry, we're talking Bill Belichick level Super Bowl wins. Nothing will justify paying John Gruden $100 million. And if he reaches some of those incentives, more than that, unless you win multiple Super Bowls, plural.
in Oakland. Other than that, not worth it to me. Now, I understand Oakland is moving to Las Vegas and what Gruden brings, and he excites the fan base. He's going to sell tickets in Oakland until they're like, um, yep. Uh, well, thanks for the memories. We're going to Vegas, and then he's going to go to Vegas, and people are going to be all amped up about him there, and Chucky and the Raider Nation and the autumn wind as a pirate and all that, right? So maybe from a business standpoint, it makes sense there. From a football standpoint, this will not be successful. We can't even start that conversation unless he wins Super Bowls, plural. And I'm thinking maybe three. Two Super Bowls, maybe we could talk. You're paying a head coach that much money, and as Stephen A. just said, that's more than anybody in the league makes, short of an owner. And there are reports that they even offered him that, which turned out not to be true. But it is it it is a good idea optically. It is a good idea because it's better than just hiring, you know, and nothing against Matt Patricia or Josh McDaniels or some of these guys. Coordinators work. Sean McDermott came in, boom, worked in Buffalo. Sean McVay worked in L.A. So you want to go that route, fine. I like that Oakland went outside of the proverbial box and, you know, had a guaranteed winner here. But then I heard what they were going to pay him, and I was like, whoa, boy. And how that's going to reset the market. And That's hot. He's worth that. What's Belichick worth? And people that have, you know, actually won Super Bowls that did not have a losing record in their last six years, as you heard Stephen A. lay out there as head coach. What are really good coaches worth these days? By the way, quick note on that. I did not know this until yesterday. I should know this, but I didn't. So Matt Nagy is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Coming over from Kansas City, he was their offensive coordinator. He's 39 years old. This is of interest to me because I'm 39 years old. Someone who is 39 years old like me is a head coach in the NFL. Now, Sean McVay is the ultimate exception to the rule. What is he, 32, I believe? He's a real youngin', but 39, and he's a head coach in the NFL. The youth movement continues. You darn millennials in your phones can't wait for two minutes in line for a coffee. Although I do that, too, so. Who am I kidding? Let's break on that note. We've got plenty more Syracuse basketball to come. And, look, it's the most obvious thing to point out about this team, but I feel like I need to point it out. I'll tell you what that is coming up. Thank you. Bye-bye.